So Ephesians chapter 2. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages we, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Good to be with you. Warm welcome if I haven't met you before, or you're here visiting us at Trinity Grove this morning. My name's Mike Sams, I'm the pastor here, and... It's a great day to be here because it's one of those fantastic passages in the Bible. Thanks. This thing's falling down. One of these uh, fantastic passages in the Bible. Is that coming through all right? Because the thing's not sitting properly. Um, Where we get to think about what it is uh, that Jesus has done for us in its simplicity. So what's going to happen today is I've got one goal for us all that we have clarity on what it is to be a Christian, how you become a Christian. If you're not sure where you are with God or you know you don't, uh, at this point, aren't a follower of him, if you want to have clarity on that, this is a great passage for you. For all of us who come to Grove, this is the passage that we should continually come back and marvel at and remind ourselves of and live by. So one goal that we're going to see today, and I think the passage challenges us all to make a decision, and so I'll be uh, encouraging us to do that at the end as well. Uh, If you've got the outlines there, um, I think they'll be helpful to help you travel on through uh, the passage in the booklets. Feel free to get up now if you want and grab one from the back table uh, or grab a Bible. Um, and the first, the first intro point's different, but everything else I think will be really helpful for you in travelling through the passage. Alright, well let me pray, and then let's get stuck into this great uh, chapter, Ephesians chapter 2. Heavenly Father, we give you great thanks that we can come together on this uh, brisk morning and have our hearts warmed, have our hearts stirred by your word. Help us... Uh, to be transformed by being made alive in Christ. Amen. Now, sometimes we can make a big mistake. We can make a big mistake. Have a look at this picture here and you'll see a mistake. I don't know if anyone's ever seen this picture before, but there's uh, a car facing the wrong way and it actually went off the road where that other ute is on the road. You see that there? It flipped, kind of somehow, don't know how, flipped, did a big flip and facing the wrong way. That is a big mistake, right? 
But we don't get the gravity of this mistake until we draw back a little bit. So when we draw back a little bit, that is where the car has landed. That is a big mistake. That is very fortunate. What I think we see today is our issue before God is not a little fender bender on our car, but a massive mistake. It's not just a mistake, it's a really deep problem. And so we're going to spend time thinking on that, because if we get convicted of that, what God has done is even more spectacular, more marvellous, and something that we can truly hold on to. So I want us to see today how God assesses us as humans. And I want us to see today what God does about it. So let's have a look at this, um, let's have a look at this uh, passage before us. So when we see this passage before us, we see first and foremost, we see humanity is dead. Humanity and its deadness. We are in a bad place. But before we even get there, to get us all up to speed, as some of us may have not been here while we've started our series on Ephesians, the book of Ephesians has one big point that Paul highlighted for us in chapter 1, verse 10, that we looked at. That God has a big plan. His overarching plan for all humanity is that everything, not just one thing, not just some things, all things will be united to Jesus. God's concern is for unity, peace under Jesus. And the biggest problem to this unity and peace is humanity and its deadness. And so he focuses, focuses right on it now. Have a look with me at um, verse 1 of chapter 2. It should come up on the screen. As for you, you were dead. <laughs> it's not very fluffy and happy, is it? <laughs> it's pretty blunt and it's pretty daunting. But the assessment is, as Paul's talking to the Ephesians and, and to the Gentiles who didn't know their relationship before God, saying, you are dead. It's a hopeless and helpless position that you can do nothing to deal with. If you're dead, you can't become non-dead. Right? You can't be undead. We're not talking zombies, right? It's not a thing. This is the problem that we have. We are dead, he says. Is that right? Are you the type of person that thinks, well, that's just a bit overdramatic. I try to be a good person. It's not that bad. Well, there's a reason that, that uh, Paul wants the Ephesians to know this. Have a look what he goes on to say. He says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. See, what he wants them to know is that the reason you're dead is because you've got these two things that are really causing a problem. Now, these are kind of religious words in a way. You've got sin, you maybe know that one. Transgressions is probably even more unfamiliar. And they're kind of they're talking about the same thing, but from a different perspective. See, firstly, transgressions. I don't know whether you've really thought what transgressions means, but it's to break, and it's to break trust. To 
break trust with someone. It's to have someone and to transgress them is to break the trusting relationship that you have with them. And so humans, he's saying, are trust breakers with God and each other. And the consequence of that, in God's eyes, is you're actually dead, even though you don't seem like it, because we're walking, we're living, we're breathing. But if you're a trust breaker, in God's eyes, you're dead. And the reality is, we're not going to do it today, but that is a really good lens to see the one story of the Bible. From the moment God makes the world and it is good at the beginning, and he makes humanity into his own image, the story of humanity is continuing to break trust with God and each other. The first brothers in the Bible, Cain and Abel, not a very trusting relationship. And the story goes on and on. Even when God creates a people for himself, if you're not aware of the, uh, the Jews, the Israelites, they had this special relationship with God and they kept on breaking it and God kept on renewing it and they kept on breaking it. And if we think about ourselves, can any one of us say, I am completely trustworthy 100% of the time? Even if you seek and have a passion to being a trustworthy kind of person. I like to think I try and be trustworthy and you can rely on me. I think it's probably an important character of a pastor that you can trust him. But I break that sometimes. I am nowhere near perfect. Can any one of us, even the elite of the trustworthy, ever say that they've never been a trust breaker. As for you, you were dead because you're a trust breaker. You're also dead because of your sin. And the idea of sin is this is where what we can do is get away from thinking a problem that probably Christianity uh, constantly has to rally against is that the problem you have with God is there is a rule and you've broken it and so therefore it's all over. Now, rules might be a part of the element of it, but sin is more than that. The idea of sin is to fail as a goal or, or something you're supposed to fulfill. And so sin here is you're dead in your transgressions and sins because you fail at the loving relationship you're supposed to have with God and others. See, sin is not something that we need to think, oh, Christianity's got all these rules that I've got to follow, and so I've sinned, so now I'm in problem, but I won't sin this time. It's not like this in and out of rules... It's a failure to love God and others. So much so, sometimes we don't even know when we get it wrong. Or we think we're right. Have you ever been blindingly angry in your righteous uh, anger because someone has done you wrong, only to find at that time you kind of didn't have the whole picture and if you had the whole picture you might have had a different perspective and you kind of weren't right completely? It kind of happens. <laughs> That's how bad and how deep it goes. And so, when we have, the, say, you know, the classic Ten Commandments that we all may know, right? There's the rules, the five, you're supposed to love God and you've got the five rules and you've got the five, love each other. You know, the kind of, yeah, okay, so we've got rules to help us see that. But the problem isn't so much the breaking of the rules. The problem lying behind that is the breaking of the love relationship with God and with others. And when you break the love relationship with God, God sees that so bad, it's like breaking it with him. And so, none of us 
if this is the condition, can say, according to God's assessment, even if you want to take the most generous view of yourself, none of us can say we're okay before God because we've done our best and we're a good person. We're made in the image of God. We have great capacity capacity to be good people in that sense, but we are completely and utterly flawed. We're dead because we do transgress, transgress and we do sin. And this passage goes on to highlight that was the way they used to live. In verse 2 it says, we see there, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. This, this, these words here saying, when you used, before Jesus, so kind of reminding the, Christi- the Ephesians who are Christians, um, uh, and so, you know, a passage like this, sometimes Christians go, oh, you know, I've heard this all before, I don't need to hear this anymore. Well, Paul's actually writing this to Christians to convict them, just to let you know that if you're um, thinking, oh, I've been there, done that. He wants to convict them. In which you used to live, and he says, because you followed the ways of the world, those who reject God, those who are dead, you liked that, you thought it was good. Then he has this fancy word. We're not going to break down in detail today, but the, the, of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spiritual enemies of God. You know, Satan himself, his way is to break trust at every point. From the first time Satan is introduced in the Bible, he lies and convinces humanity to lie. And so that's the way you follow. And the reason we, that the, he influences us is because we've chosen to be disobedient. Our influence by the rules of the kingdom of the air is because at our core we've been disobedient to being image bearers. None of us uh, can say we're completely immune to that, can we? And so Paul lets them know that all of them had this desire and craving. And that's what he says in verse 3. He says to them, all of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of the flesh and following its desires and thoughts. This is the way you were. This is the problem. The biggest problem in the Western world, definitely in Australia, definitely in Adelaide right now, without a shadow of a doubt, is that these words are irrelevant. That we're not that bad. That we are good, that God doesn't see us like that. We should just be good people. Don't worry about the state that we're in. Be blind to this. It's very hard to think you need Jesus or anything else if you don't think you've got a problem. And yet, the Bible's testimony and over and over again, like it is in this passage, is actually the problem's probably deeper and worse than we realise. No one can say we're immune to this. And so we're dead. So he kind of summarises at the beginning. You're dead. And then how does he finish this section of your problem? Deserving wrath. Dead and deserving wrath. Now, the problem is, for a lot of us, though, sometimes we make a big deal out of things that don't matter. Things that aren't as big a deal. Now, Jack, come on, come on up. Don't shake your head. Come on up. It's good. If, if, you, if you don't know Jack, you haven't been before. Jack um, did a ministry apprenticeship with us for two years. He's now Bible college training to be a minister, which is really great. You enjoy that? Yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah excellent. Good. You enjoying this? No. Great, excellent. That was the plan. Um, and, and last week we had uh, one of Jack's close friends come and we interviewed him and he's, yeah, it's Where all did you get that? It's all good, don't worry. Um, and, and, and I'll just do this. And um, what happened was last week, uh, his friend Dave had told us about one of the things that Jack has just been hung up on all his life. 
He makes a big deal about it all the time, don't you? You're really upset about it. I am it. really upset, so thank you so much for bringing it up. A second week in a row. No worries. But great. we're not going to only bring it up. Jack was really upset the day that it was Dave's sister. Yeah. Just Dave's sister or a bunch of girls? Dave's sister and, and friend, other friend. Yeah, other friend. Yeah. They thought Jack needed a makeover. And there it is. It's a beautiful piece. There he is. <laughs> Isn't it gorgeous? And <laughs> he's so distressed and upset about it. But he looks... So cute! Look at him; he's adorable. Jack, because of all the makeup, yeah. I was just here crying in there. <laughs> it's not a big deal, all right. You probably need to get over it, right? But the thing is, right, you can't get over what we've just read in Ephesians two, verses one to three. You see? Can, can you get that? Because the reality is, that's what we don't do in life. We have all sorts. You can sit down now. I've embarrassed you enough. <laughs> We have all sorts of things in life that we're not willing to get over or we make out to be a worse problem than what we actually have and we push aside our biggest problem. I'll take it off the screen, Jack. That's a bit harsh. That's all right. I will never bring no, I won't say I'll never bring it up again because then I'm a trust breaker again, so I won't do that. Um, but see, the thing is, how are we going to think about the things that matter? Well, if we are willing, even just for a moment, to consider that being our state before God, let's look at his solution. Because his solution is extraordinary. Have a look at verse 4. Because we get the engine room of God in verse 4, we get his motivation. But, you're dead. But, because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy... God, who loves us so much, even though we're a trust breaker, we don't love him, he loves us so much, he wants to give us mercy because that's his character, that he's fully rich of mercy. Mercy being forgiving and not punishing someone who you could. God, if you wonder what God's engine room is and how he interacts with us, even in our state that we've just seen, he's great. That is to emphasize that. This isn't just one thing of God. This is his thing, his love, and that love expressed in mercy. Deserving of wrath, but God's merciful. There's God. That's what he's like. So what does he do? Well, if we're dead, verse 5, made us alive with Christ. God made us alive with Jesus. And just to highlight what we've just already thought about, he goes back, even when, I've just said it, but I'm going to say it again, even when we were dead in transgressions, even when, even when we break our relationship with God, and it doesn't matter. You're alive in Christ. What is this? What is the nature of this? It's one of the most fundamental things that we need to constantly get our heads around, maybe today for the first time, but never ever do we forget it or not consider how spectacular it is. It is God's grace. It is His grace. See how he goes on to say in verse 5, it is by grace you have been saved. You're dead 
and now you're saved and it's by grace. What is this grace thing? It's one of the easiest concepts to understand and one of the most profound. We've seen what we deserve, wrath, and we're dead. God makes us alive. That is, grace is giving us something we don't deserve, that we have done nothing to earn, that we do not contribute to in any way whatsoever. How do we know we don't contribute any way whatsoever? What are we? Dead. Grace is God's free gift to us. It is all God. It is the fundamental difference between the Christianity of Jesus and any other way of thinking about life, spirituality and any other religion is that you don't contribute to your salvation in any way whatsoever because you can't. But God, who loves us so much, who is rich in mercy, saves you by grace. He goes on to say in verse 6, that's because God raised us up with Christ and given us a place with him in the heavenly realms. That is to say, we belong with him. Jesus died in our place. That The whole book of Ephesians keeps on talking about that. We've already gone through that. Jesus stepped into our place what we deserve. We're deserving of wrath. But Jesus takes our wrath. We're, we're dead. Jesus dies for us. He takes your place so that you can be made alive. The story of the resurrection is not just Jesus rose from the dead. It's so that you who are dead can be made alive with Christ. You've done nothing. Grace is a simply acknowledging Jesus has done everything for you. The one thing you can take away from today, Christianity is different because the God of the universe has given me something I don't deserve and it was himself. Is that worth following? Well, to help us understand that with clarity and how we relate to it, I think we should see the importance of seeing the logic, how uh, Paul expresses verses 8 to 9. Have a look at verses 8 to 9 with me as he keeps on elaborating on this point. He says what he's already just said, it is by grace you have been saved. So God has rescued you all himself. But not everyone is rescued. Because people are still dead if they reject God. And so what is it that makes it real for you? It's through faith. Now this isn't you doing something in the back door as if like you've actually come up with your good works that you do to make, make God happy. It is understanding that God has died, Jesus has died for me. He's rose from the dead. And that I am dead. That God loves me. I don't deserve his love, but I can trust that he's done that for me. All of us understand the word trust, but sometimes the word faith gets confused. Faith and trust are the same thing. When you faith God, you trust God. It's to trust in him. 
How do you accept this reality? If you're convicted that you are dead and that Jesus has done these things by grace, how do you know, oh, am I right with God now? Do you say to God, I trust that you've done this for me and are convicted by that? Then it's yours. You don't need to go out that door and, you know, work out your key performance indicators for God and and achieve all these goals to get there. He has given it to you. And so he elaborates, this is not from yourselves. I just want to be clear, he's kind of saying to the Ephesians. You guys know you've been saved. I'm telling you, you love Jesus. You didn't do anything good about it. So as a Christian community, don't over time start to think, oh, if we do church this way or if I, if I tell people about Jesus more, that'll give me a little bit extra security. It's not from you. It is the gift of God. Some of us watched the royal wedding last night. I'm not some of us. <laughs> I, I was hiding in the bedroom with all the, the women that were at my house watching the royal wedding. Uh, but I don't know, does anyone know what the royals decided to do about gifts? To give it to charity. It's an often thing to do. Give it to charity. They gave it to seven charities. There was even one charity that wasn't part of the UK. Because they don't need gifts. If there's anyone who doesn't need a gift, right, it's the royals. Um, and, and they said, so give it to someone who deserves it. We don't need a gift, so give it to someone who deserves it. This is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. A God-given gift to someone who doesn't deserve it, but desperately needs it. That is what God has done. It's marvellous, isn't it? Maybe today you can see and realise that you need to have the biggest day of your life where you're convicted that this is what God has done for you. And I'll say one thing to finalise, hopefully help us with our clarity of this passage is some people say, yeah, but don't I have to do something? Don't have to make some guarantee. Surely that means you can do whatever you want. When I first was convicted of grace like this and had that moment, maybe you're having today or you're being convicted of again today, I had someone say to me, if you're saying it's all God, surely you can then just go on and do whatever you want. Oh, grace will work out so I could, I could sleep with some, anyone out of marriage if I want to. I can, I can lie, cheat, steal. I can do whatever I want. And it doesn't matter. But remember how the problem is transgressions and sins? That the problem is not loving God and not being in a trusting relationship? We've been made alive to be in a trusting relationship and to love God and others. So your mindset is totally different. You've got a purpose now. You've got a different way of thinking. And so Paul doesn't want to leave it there. We just saved by grace. He wants them to know you've now got a purpose in your life. Verse 10, we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. We are to do what God wants from us, not to earn his favour. That's hopeless. But because he's saved us, because he is the Lord of all, because we want to give him glory, because it's by grace. It's kind of 
a nonsense, isn't it, really, to think this is what I treasure and hold to, which is what you're doing if you actually say Jesus has saved me by grace and then go, but in everything I do, I'm going to reject it. It doesn't. It actually doesn't make any kind of experience sense. It just doesn't make sense, but God has made it clear for us as well. You live for God to do his works. My question then, as we wrap up today, is do you want to be made alive? There's only one way. Because a dead person can't make themselves alive. That new song we sung today, I love the line, death was arrested, that's when my life began. The actual reality of death in your life is taken away by Jesus and your true life of being alive in Christ begins. It begins when you see grace. I said at the beginning today I was going to ask you personally, do you see your need for grace? Today is just as important a day as any other day for the first time say, yes, I need Jesus. I trust in him. Know if you've done that, you are saved with great joy. And also know that this is why Trinity Grove is here. This is why we started this church a couple of years ago because we want people to come to see and to continue for the rest of their lives, work out what it means to love Jesus. We'd love to help you. It's the greatest joy that we've had in, in, in our times when people come to truly understand more of Jesus. You can let us know on a communication card that you've made that decision today that are in the, in the booklets. You can talk to a friend that's brought you and have that chat with them. But I also want you not to just ignore or forget or you may have lots of questions that you don't understand can i encourage you to pursue further to ask your questions to wrestle more we love giving opportunities to do that and next week uh for for four weeks as that comes up on the screen our life course is starting on sunday afternoons after church um i'd love you to come along and hang out with me for four weeks where we watch a couple of videos, I have a little bit of a chat, we'll have awesome lunch and we'll, and we'll talk about what is the purpose of life. You may not be there yet, but wouldn't it make sense to make sure you've got it clear in your head? Maybe you've got friends. Surely you could give up four weeks uh, in a row to bring a friend along and to, and to help them wrestle with it. Come for the first week, try it out, see what you think. And if it's not something that you want to continue with, that's okay. We think it's a great way to wrestle with life with Jesus. In a moment, I'm going to pray. And my prayer is going to be one of acknowledging this passage before us. That we've sinned, that we've transgressed, and God in his love and mercy has saved us by grace and we want to trust in him. If you realise that that's something real for you today, you can acknowledge those words in your, in your mind as I say them 
And saying amen at the end, if you've never known, why do, why do Christians say amen at the end? It's because you're saying, yes, it is true. I, I'm, in, I'm into that. That is right. You give that heartfelt amen to God and he knows your heart and mind and your new life with Christ begins. Let me pray. And before we, After we pray, we're going to get straight into a song which is all about being made alive in Christ. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. And yet, if we're being honest, we need to acknowledge what we've seen in Ephesians. That we are dead in our transgressions and sins. It is our doing, and sometimes we close our mind to it. We thank you for your love and mercy that by grace you have dealt with our death, that you have made us alive in Christ. Help us to trust in you, to have faith in you all of our days. Amen.